0: welcome to the platform podcast where we talk to coaches athletes experts and real people to learn about their approaches to training nutrition mindset and much more i'm your host jordan kundi wright founder and head coach of the twin cities kettlebell club and i'm on a mission to help others build sustainable healthy lifestyles before we jump into the episode i want to remind you that registration is open for the second annual twin cities kettlebell open on october 22nd hosted by our friends at the athlete lab in little canada minnesota just as we did last year, we will include an option for video submissions for participants who are unable to make the trip in person, and you will be eligible for all of the same prizes as our in-person competitors. Just go to our website, TwinCitiesCattleButtClub.com, for details. This week, I am diving in on my number one tip for fat loss. <laughs> I know that that sounds super clickbaity as a as a topic, right? And uh, I'm not sorry about it. I want you to listen because I feel like this is a super important topic. I think people get this wrong. I think it is something that we fall victim to when we see these claims out there in the social media landscape and marketing landscape about what the number one secret is, the secret sauce, you know, all that BS. So I wanted to talk to you about it and really explain what, what I think the actual answer is from a longitudinal fat loss perspective. So, I hope you enjoy the episode. And of course, if you do enjoy the episode, please be sure to support the podcast. Give me a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts, but especially on iTunes. That's very, very helpful. And I'm, of course, very grateful that you listen to this podcast. The best way you could support me is to register for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open. Come shake my hand, lift some bells with me and my friends here October 22nd. Uh, Maybe invite a friend or two, bring them along. Uh, You can go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com for details. And of course, last but not least, if you need help reaching your goals without wasting time, please fill out the coaching interest sheet. That is linked in the show notes. I help athletes of all levels using my integrated coaching approach. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club or email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, let's step onto the platform and discuss the number one key to fat loss. All right. Welcome in to this week's episode of the platform podcast. We are live in the kettlebell fat blast Facebook group. It is high noon on February 20th, 2022. And I am finally starting to feel a little bit better, although I, I hope I still have the uh, the whiskey sunrise voice going on where I've still got the, the extra deep uh, radio voice. I'm still getting, over, still getting over the cold, but uh, I feel like I'm still uh, about half an octave lower than I normally am in my, in my speaking register, which is not a bad thing uh, when you're doing broadcasts. So uh, hopefully hopefully you enjoy, uh, maybe it's dulcet tones. I hope so. Um, so this week, I am going to talk about what I consider to be the number one key to fat loss, the number one key to fat loss, right? And that is super clickbaity right <laughs> i know i know it's super clickbaity and uh sorry not sorry uh, <laughs> as my canadian friends would say uh i'm not sorry about uh giving you that super click baity topic because uh everyone wants to know what what the secret is what what what's the hack what's the number one thing i need to do what's you know what's the secret sauce man give me the recipe um and it's it's probably not uh, it's probably not what you expect it to be. I'm going to I'm going to preface with that. So I'm going to give you a little teaser uh, and say it, my answer is probably not what you expect it to be for what the number one key to fat loss is. Uh, and there's a good reason for it. I'm going to I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. While inspired by true events, any representation to any person actual, actually living or deceased is purely coincidental. <laughs> Some facts have been changed to protect the innocent, you know, whatever, you know. Um, so these are examples that I can, I can tell you from my, from my career coaching. And let me know if this sounds familiar to any of you. So uh, imagine, uh, you know, if you are a woman in her mid-30s who has grown up struggling to maintain maintain her weight and in her 20s she tried weight watchers and had good success with weight watchers and dropped 50 pounds and was pretty happy with with her results but then her results slowed down and eventually stopped and then she got super discouraged because she still didn't look the way that she wanted to look. And she's weighing in every week in front of other people in her peer group who have been her support group. And she gets more and more discouraged as her weight loss numbers continue to stagnate. Uh, And eventually the scale starts creeping back up and she gets super frustrated and super disillusioned and stops. And then fast forward a couple of years and she has put all of those 50 pounds back on plus another 10. And so now she's up, so now she's up 60 um, or she's up another 10 from where she was. And so she she tries a, a different program and this time she's gonna go keto. And she goes keto and goes super low carb and has a whole bunch of success right away. She drops like 15 pounds in the first week, thinks this is awesome. And then she, she keeps sticking with it for a while, drops another 15, another 20 pounds, keeps working out, but not feeling the best, really low energy, um, and life stress is coming at her. And so she finds herself binging on the weekends, particularly on carbs. And before you know it, she's not in ketosis anymore, and she can't sustain the weight loss that she's had, and she puts 10 pounds back on And then she tries to double down on that even more and gets even more restrictive. And then she can't maintain it and binges again, this time harder. She feels terrible about herself and puts another 15 pounds back on. Then she gives up on keto and goes back on her regular way of eating. And now she puts all of the weight that she had lost back on plus another five. Let me know if that sounds familiar right um another example um you know say you are a man like me you're a fairly 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 large framed individual you know over six feet tall you know over 200 pounds and have walked around as as heavy as 370 pounds you know and you lose hundred pounds, you get down, to, get, get down to 270 pounds. And then you're like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm happy. I, you know, my goal was to lose hundred pounds and I'm happy. Okay, cool. And, and so you slack a little bit on your diet. You start drinking a little bit more, going back to the way that you used to eat before you, before you lost all the weight. Uh, and you start creeping slowly back up and you get up to 290 and then you get up to 300 and then you're up to three thirty, you know, et cetera, right? And so you you see the scale going the wrong way, and eventually you're like, nope, nope, got to stop this, and you get back into your super serious, rigid routine, and you you drop seventy pounds again, or you drop another hundred, right? And but you can't maintain it, you can't keep it, you can't keep it going, right? So what do you do? Well, you end up putting the weight back on. And more often than not, you put on, put the weight that you lost back on and plus some extra. Right. So why does this, why does this continue to happen? Right. How how many times are you, how many times are you going to gain and lose the same 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 pounds over and over again. Like I, I know I know people who have gained and lost hundred pounds more more than three times in their life. Right. So and, and you know, for a lot of women, they've they've probably gained and lost, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds in their life. Um, many, many times. I, I know many women that have done that, that that have lost that have lost a significant amount of weight in their life multiple times. Right. So is the, the tricky part is, is, is it really that hard to lose weight? I, I would argue, no, for most people, you know um, not, not for everybody. Some people do really struggle with losing weight and it's really a challenge for them. Um, But for most of us, For most people that I work with, at least, and most people in my experience, losing the weight is not the problem, right? It is actually maintaining weight loss that is the problem. So there is my answer to what is the number one key to fat loss, and it's actually maintenance. Maintenance is the key. And notice I said fat loss, not weight loss. The name of the Facebook group is the kettlebell fat blast, not the kettlebell weight loss blast or weight loss or weight blast, right? Because weight, as we've talked about on previous episodes, weight is simply one data point that measures the gravitational force of the earth on your body at a point in time it is a singular data point that measures your weight your gravitational force here on earth at that one point in time does not tell you anything about composition and this is a point i will continue to come back to and i have to have this conversation with clients often often like even even this week one of one of my clients um sh- who who came onto who came onto the uh, uh, one of the team kettlebell sessions uh you know to train with us and and she was she was like oh my belt is looser there's down a down a couple of down a couple of belt belt notches but she was still frustrated <laughs> she was still frustrated when she weighed in this week because her weight was uh her weight was not moving right not that it derailed her but she was like I, I thought I'd be lighter I'm like who cares? <laughs> And I had to tell her that who cares (laughs) if you, if you weigh a particular number, if you know that you're moving the direction that, that you want to move, you know, you're improving your body composition. Like who cares if the weight has changed. Right. And I'm not immune to that. You guys have heard my struggles with the scale. I mean, I, I have my own, I have my own challenges with that. Um, We are all conditioned to, to put more. uh, Onus on the scale more pardon the pardon the pun more weight on the scale (laughs) um than than what it deserves it is a singular data point it is part of many data points by which we can measure our progress and our success within a program right um so that's why i was i was pretty intentional with my with my title where it was number one key to fat loss is maintenance being able to not gain or lose weight is a skill. And it is a skill that many of us fail to acquire, especially if you've struggled with your weight your entire life. You can think about it. How many times in your life, when you think about you know, longitudinally, how many times in your life were you just trying to maintain the weight that you were at? For a lot of us, that answer is, I can't remember a time when I was trying to maintain my weight most people were either trying to lose weight or, well, they were losing weight because they were trying to lose weight or they were gaining weight because they got frustrated with the approach they were taking and, and got a case of the fuckets uh, to, to quote, to quote uh, Audrey, uh, you got a case of the fuckets and we're just like, not, nah, not doing it anymore. Fuck it all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy my life. You get a case of the fuckets and the weight goes back up. Right. So maintenance is actually the key to long term success. Long term success at fat loss requires maintenance. And there's a few reasons for that. Right. So I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you four, four reasons why maintenance is actually the number one key for fat loss. The first one should seem obvious, but it's one that we often neglect. Um, You stop moving backwards and what i mean by that is if the goal is to reduce body fat um you have a, a period of success and now we all know like those those things track weight loss and fat loss tend to go tend to go hand in hand now you can also lose weight via you know via uh, glycogen water uh, muscle right you can lose weight in any number of ways so it's we're cha- changing tissue stores but we, we tend to understand that if we're eating sufficient protein and strength training, that if we are seeing weight loss on the scale, a lot of that, um, is due to fat loss, right? And you see that in composition changes, right? So if the goal is, if the goal is fat loss, then doing a period of maintenance means that you have stopped moving. You, you, you stop moving backwards when you're not in a period of fat loss. Cause what happens as I alluded to in the, in the intro with some of the stories, right? Is, is what most people do is as soon as they stop losing fat or stop losing weight, they don't, they don't maintain their new, their new weight. They immediately start gaining weight back, right? They m- immediately start going backwards, right? So if you take five steps forward, and stop, and just stand still, and then you take five steps forward again, and stop, and stand still, right, that will get you to your destination, your desired destination, faster than someone who takes five steps forward, and three steps backward, five steps forward, three steps backward, stops, five steps forward, three steps backwards, right, that is going to take you, and that's that's assuming that's assuming that you you put on less weight, you put less weight back on than what you initially lost. So you're saying five steps forward, three steps back, you're still moving forward incrementally by two every every time you iterate that, right? You're still incrementally moving forward you know towards your goal by two. But if it's five steps forward, five steps back, five steps forward, five steps back, you didn't move fucking anywhere, or if it's five steps forward, seven steps back, take another five steps forward, seven steps back, right? Now you're moving to You're losing ground. You're, you're going backwards too every, every time you go through that iteration, right? So periods of maintenance are super important because you stop moving away from your desired destination, right? You're not moving towards your desired destination either, but you're not moving away from it. And that's what most of us miss on is we, we are either moving towards it or away from it and we can't stand still. So the ability, learning how to stand still and, and maintain your weight, maintain your body composition is incredibly challenging for a lot of us. It is a skill that needs to be acquired. It is a skill that needs to be practiced as well, right? So that's reason number one. It's it it stops moving you away from your goal. That would have been a better way of saying it instead of saying it stops moving you backwards, but it stops moving you away from your goal. Right. Number two reason is it helps you psychologically. Right. Periods of maintenance are incredibly important because let's be honest about fat loss. It is hard as fuck. It is challenging. It requires energy. It requires focus. It is a stressor on the body to eat in a caloric deficit that is required to create fat loss, right? The training intensity required while in a caloric deficit, the sleep, the steps, the hydration, the food quality, food prep, meal prep, tracking, you know, all of those things if you do it that way, right? Those things take psychological energy. It takes focus. It takes effort. It is not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would be at the composition that they want. It is not easy. Now, there are ways we can make it easier. There are ways we can make it more fun. Um, But if we're being honest, fat loss is challenging. It takes time. It takes effort, right? So psychologically, that takes its toll, right? It it takes mental energy. And if you don't build in periods of maintenance, that's how you end up with the fuckets. And that's how you end up with binges. Right. You are not accounting for the fact that you are a human being with limited capacity, limited discipline, limited willpower. Everyone's willpower runs out eventually. Now we have varying capacities for discipline and willpower and et cetera. Some people are incredibly, incredibly disciplined and can just keep their eyes on the prize for extended periods of time and are really, really good at that. And they're high achievers, et cetera. Like Tom Brady comes to mind. Yeah, got you, Audrey. I know I got you, Matt. Tom Brady kept his eyes on the prize for 20 years. Michael Jordan. At one point, Michael Jordan said something to the effect of, uh, you know, if you want to beat me, you have to give up your life because that's what I did to be as great as I am, right? It takes a toll psychologically to be that dialed in. It takes a toll psychologically to be on point, right? Look at figure competitors, right? It takes a toll. They, it is hard for them. They get moody. They get cranky, right? If you've ever been around somebody who's on a, on a cut for a contest prep, they can be a miserable prick to be around, especially the last couple of weeks, right? Not sleeping well, tired, hormones are downregulated. They look good, but they feel like shit and psychologically they're tired. And then when they get a break, when the show is over that most of them need the break. They need a period of recovery. Now, ones that do it well go into a period of maintenance or into a reverse, um, a very intentional reverse ones that do it poorly. um, They, they just go off the wagon and they're like, ah, hit the goal. Now it's time doing whatever the fuck I want. Right. Cause psychologically it takes its toll to be dialed in. Right. So maintenance periods give you a break. Psychologically, they allow you to recharge your battery, regain mental focus, regain clarity, and also take some pressure off de-stress, you know, period periods where, where the goal is not to lose weight or lose body fat, allow you more space, it allows you more calories, it allows you uh, w- which more calories allows you more dietary flexibility, Right you can enjoy things a little bit more things that were maybe you couldn't if you were going to be making progress on your goals right so it helps psychologically and now reason number 3 which i've already started to allude to reason number 3 is that it helps you physiologically right what does that mean well when you eat in a caloric deficit your body's job is to maintain homeostasis homeostasis is the goal of maintenance. right? But when you eat in a deficit, physiologically, you are putting a stress on your body and you are doing so intentionally to create a change that you want to happen. Well, what happens is your body eventually fights back against that and adapts. That's really the thing. It's not even a fight. It is your body is adapting to the stimulus because it is trying to maintain homeostasis to keep you alive. That is its job, keep you alive so that you can procreate. And that is the the fundamental function, right? So if you are in a caloric deficit, say you were eating at 2,000 calories and you cut that down to 1,400 calories to create weight loss, then you do that for a period of time, your body is going to make adjustments so that your intake and your output... Match Well, how does it do that? Well, it's going to decrease your hunger hormones, right? So that you aren't seeking food as often. It is also, so that's ghrelin. It's the ghrelin is the hunger cue. Hormone, So you'll see people that have been in deficits for a significant period of time, they, their ghrelin levels go down. So you just don't get hungry as often because your body is adapting to the fact that, okay, we're only eating 1400 calories. I'm going to, I'm not going to send the cue of the the amount of ghrelin that when we were eating 2000 calories, because clearly 2000 calories aren't available right now. So we're not, we're going to down regulate the hunger cues, right? So you'll see ghrelin levels decrease. Well, with that, you will also see a decrease in thermogenesis of all activities, not just your exercise output, but that, that'll be the first thing. Your body will get more efficient in your, in, in your calorie output, and that happens for a couple of reasons. A, uh, ostensibly, if you are eating in a deficit for a significant period of time, you're going to lose some weight, so you will be a, fa- a smaller physical organism, so you, you won't require as many calories to maintain it. And it also won't expend as many calories to move. So think of fuel economy like a a truck versus an SUV or a truck versus a, a compact car, excuse me, right? A truck, a big ass, you know, quad diesel Ford F-350 is gonna get, you know, 16 miles to a gallon. Whereas a small, you know, Ford hatchback is gonna get 26 miles to a gallon. The smaller the vehicle, the less fuel it takes to move it, right? That's the, the, the basics of that analogy. So when you get smaller, you burn fewer calories and your body decreases, decreases the energy expenditure of exercise, but it also decreases, it decreases your energy expenditure uh, across all other things, digestion, sleep at rest, et cetera. And it also, interestingly enough, people who are in a caloric deficit move less that you just, and it's not even conscious subconsciously you move less. So you stop fidgeting as much. You stop having the desire to move. If you've, if you've ever been really sick, right? You, you, you're like, God, just the thought of getting up and walking to the kitchen sounds like too much because you're depleted, right? The same thing happens on a, less, on a less acute scale, but the same thing happens when you have been physiologically eating in a deficit for an extended period of time. Your body decreases the cues to move. And so everything becomes less of an output, your, your, your body physiologically adapts to try and decrease your need for food because you have put it in a deficit. And so it is adjusting so that it can get you back to a homeostatic state. That is the goal of your metabolism. So the metabolism is never broken. It's adaptive. It's adapting to the, to the stimulus that you've put on it. And the longer you've put it in a particular state, the longer it's going to take to restore it to a different state. So this is where manipulating food and periodization comes in, right? And you've, you guys have heard me talk about that. Um, so that's where, that's where we, we, we get into the physiological manipulation using periods of maintenance, using periods of reverse and periods of deficit, depending on the goals and depending on the stress and training volume that is going on at any given period of time. That's where integration comes in. Right, understanding those things. And so this is also why um, eating at maintenance can be super tricky because it is a moving target. It is always a moving target based on the other factors going on in your life, based on your exercise activity, based on your food choice, based on the quantity of food that you eat, based on your sleep, based on your hydration, based on the stress in your life at a given time, based on your diet history, based on genetics, epigenetics, um, there are so many factors that go into it that eating in a deficit, or I'm sorry, eating at maintenance uh, can be very, very tricky for a lot of people figuring that out. Because one day of the week, 2,500 calories might be maintenance for you. And the next day that 2,500 calories might not be maintenance. It might be 300 extra, or it might be 300 too, too little, right? So eating at maintenance can be, can be very, very tricky for, for people, especially if you don't have solid habits in place. Right. So, reason number four why maintenance is the key to access is it? It is it is ultimately the outcome that we should be aiming for. Unless you are unless you are just um, a masochist or Sisyphus. And if you don't know who Sisyphus is, he was the 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 man from Greek mythology who was uh, damned to push a rock up a hill for eternity. He could never get it to the top. He pushes it to the top and then it rolls back to the bottom and he has to go back down and push it and push it back up again. Unless that's who you want to be, um, I would suggest acquiring the skill of maintenance because nobody wants to be gaining and losing weight for the rest of your life, right? Um, Now, you could just get a permanent case of the fuckets and say, whatever, I don't care. I'm not going to I'm not going to to lose weight for the rest of my life or gain weight for the rest of you know gain and lose weight for the rest of my life. I'm just going to eat how I want and do what I want and let my weight be what it is. Okay, cool, that's fine if that's your choice. Um, but you will be making a choice that that likely significantly shortens your life. If that's okay with you, that's fine. I mean, enjoy your time. You know, good on you. Uh, you it's your rodeo. You you ride it for as long as you want. I'm trying to stay on the bull as long as I can. So. Um, you know, I'm going to try and make choices that support that. So ultimately, in my opinion, the outcome we should be aiming for is, is maintenance. You want your periods of fat loss. You want your periods of muscle gain. You want your periods of uh, recovery, right? But ultimately, I think the goal that everyone wants to strive to is you have the body composition that you want. You walk around at a, at a healthy body composition and weight for you. You feel good, you look good, uh, and you're generally happy and healthy. And you don't have to track everything that goes into your body. You, you have a good, you have good habits. Um, it's not, it's not draining for you to, to eat and live the way that you want. That's ultimately the goal, I think for most people. And I would argue that's the goal. That's what the goal should be. Um, but that like anything else requires reps. That requires iterations. You have to learn the skill of maintenance. What does it mean to eat at maintenance for you right now with the understanding that the answer will shift over time too. And you have to learn the skills to be able to adapt to later, to different, to different variables and different points in time in your life. And that's the real trick, right? And that's where coaching comes in. That's where having an accountability partner comes in, right? Having someone to help you guide you, right? Because this, this, this shit isn't easy. (laughs) If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? It's not easy, but it's, it's doable. We interrupt this episode to announce a new sponsor for the platform podcast, Driven Nutrition is now the official supplement company that I am affiliated with for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, as well as for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open in 2022. They offer a wide range of high quality supplements, and I am very, very excited to partner with them. They are a small company that communicates really well. Good customer service, and I really love the the quality and the taste of all of their supplements. And they have uh, everything that you need, basically uh, from from jump. You can get creatine monohydrate, high quality proteins, uh, as well as sleep aids, fish oil, um, all of the quality supplements, the the basics. You know, the the fundamental supplements that I recommend for for all of my clients and for all of my athletes. So check it out at Driven Nutrition. There's an affiliate link in the episode notes and you can use code TCKB to get 15% off of your order. All right, and so how do you get started? Well, I'll tell you how I start with my with my clients. Um, we do an intake and through that process, we we calculate a BMR estimate. Now, that's based for me because I'm a nerd. I do an ensemble of three the three most popular uh, estimate models. There's the catch McArdle, the Harris Benedict and the Mifflin St. Jor. They're all uh, supported by academic research for being fairly reliable and valid, but within certain you know, uh, there's always there's always the caveat that there uh, there's margin of error. And so to minimize margin of error and minimize uh, the, you know, the bias across of any one model, I ensemble the top three to get an estimate of what somebody's uh, what somebody's BMR is. And then from that number, we don't I don't stop there because that's very, very basic, frankly. And this is where most online calculators really get it wrong is there's no individualization to it. Um, so I take that number as one input to the to the model and then after talking to someone and understanding their life their lifestyle their training their their his their exercise history etc we do an activity multiplier you know or, or a lifestyle multiplier right so that that can vary from 1.2 to like 1.7 1.8 um, and that's to adjust for Total daily energy expenditure. So BMR is is just how much how much does your body need at rest, right? And the activity multiplier is very, very important, right? Activity, your daily activity on average accounts for a pretty significant variance in, in what your output is. So we do an activity multiplier, and part of that is your diet history and exercise history, because as I mentioned, your body adapts. So somebody who's been doing high restrictive caloric deficit diets for a long time, I'm going to give a lower multiplier to than somebody with the same, this all of the other same variables, but that doesn't have the diet and exercise history. Cause that, that pattern of diet and exercise that pattern of diet history actually decreases your, your longitudinal metabolism because you, your, your metabolism is going to have adapted to that state of deficit. So it would take us longer to get you back up to a higher multiplier. So, we do an activity multiplier and I also do an adjustment for stress because stress level in someone's life is very different uh, across people. Some people are more adaptive for their type of stress um, just based on personality type. Some people also just have significantly more stress in their lives and there are seasons in life. Like if you just had, if you just had your third kid and uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, your stress is going to be significantly higher than somebody who has three kids, but their kids are all grown up and out of the house. Right. So we're, we're looking at we're looking at BMR, which is a calculation based on age, weight, age, weight, gender, uh, and body composition, and then adjusting for your activity, adjust and adjusting for your stress. From there, you will get a macro prescription, a baseline calories, and then a composition that I recommend is across the three macronutrients. And we say, okay, let's eat at that number without making any other changes for, for two weeks. So you track your food using, you know, MyFitnessPal or, you know, whatever, whatever tracking uh, mechanism you want to do, and I have a spreadsheet that that we use. We track your numbers, and I say let's do it for two weeks without making any changes. So no no significant changes to exercise, no significant changes to to anything. We're not we're not making dietary changes yet because all we're trying to do is establish baseline. So we're going to track our food and weigh in for two weeks, every day for two weeks. So then we can see we can see what does our baseline look like, and we're going to average average out. Your macros and average out your weight and see based on that number, how close were we to actually hitting the number that was prescribed? That's, you know, point number one. Um, if we're on that number and we're, we're pretty close, and then we can see how did that affect your weight, then we have an idea of, of baseline. But we only make adjustments after establishing this baseline. And if you're given a macro prescription, and you're unable to hit it for two weeks, um, you're, then we have to work on adherence, right? So first and foremost, right? We can't make adjustments if we don't have adherence to the plan, because then we don't have a valid measure. So we, then, then we would have to work on adherence. And until we, until we have a high enough level of adherence to make an assessment of baseline, we're working on adherence habits first, and then we establish, do we have a baseline for your maintenance? And if we have that, so let's assume you hit you hit at a high enough level of compliance and you hit the numbers and we see zero changes, you know, on average, The fluctuations are normal, day-to-day fluctuations are normal. That's why we take a longitudinal view. That's why we look at a, a period of time, a long enough period of time where we feel like we can get an average. So we look at two-week period of time. And if we're able to hit at a high enough adherence and we don't see any significant changes on on the scale, and by significant, that'll be based on the percentage of your weight, right? So a bigger person will have bigger fluctuations, a smaller person, smaller fluctuations, right? So if we see that we see minimal change within the margin of error based on your size over that two weeks with high enough adherence, then we have a good estimate of your baseline maintenance numbers. And that then becomes where we start from. Right. We start from there. So then we build the plan for weight loss, muscle gain, performance, depending on what those numbers are. Right. So that's how you can that's how you can start is start with it, start with a calculator, make an adjustment for your weight loss or for your for your uh activity level, and then also take into account your stress level. The more stress you the more stressed you are, the more stress that's present in present in your life, the more calories you need. Um, so adjust for your stress level as well. And that starts as an estimate and understand that it's an estimate and then eat at that and track your weight and see. And from there, that will help you establish your, your baseline, right? That's, that's really, that's really the key to, to getting started and hitting maintenance. And then understand that if you then go into an eight week weight loss protocol or fat loss protocol, that, at the end of that, this number, this old number is not going to be your maintenance number because you're going to have just done two months of deficit and ideally have lost some weight. So we would, we would repeat that formula again. We would repeat that based off of the new number and we would adjust uh, what we think your maintenance number is. And we would repeat that process where we would, where we would eat at maintenance for a period of time and track right? With the goal of no significant weight regain and to give you the psychological break and the physiological break that your body needs, right? So that we can restore homeostasis at that new number without regaining weight. And then from there, we decide, are we doing another cut? Are we doing a period of maintenance? Are we doing a reverse, Uh, et cetera? So that is my Diatribe on the number one key to fat loss. The number one key to fat loss is maintenance. So, and that's longitudinal fat loss. The number one key to longitudinal fat loss is maintenance. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Of course, if you have any questions, hit me up, Twin club at gmail.com. You can follow me on the socials. You know how to get at me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Tag me, share it with a friend leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Uh, all that good, all that goodness. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I will talk to you all soon. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Please be sure to leave a rating and review of the Platform Podcast in your app of choice support our work by supporting our affiliates. And of course, if you have questions or you want help reaching your goals, reach out to me. Until next time. Thanks for listening.